This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Cool stuff. We're going we're to um, sort of continue on a theme that we've been talking about this term a little bit. And um, so tonight is sort of the second part of uh, vision and why we're here. You know, as we're sitting here, there's a more than 100 people, young working, young married people in the other service, and God is really doing stuff. But, you know, it's not about numbers, not at all. It's not about filling halls or having big events. It's about discipleship. And, um, and the challenge in this time that we're living is what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to, to be um, growing in the Lord? And uh, for each one of us, that call has come out. Jesus says, come and follow me. And we're going to talk a bit about that again. Um, and then at the end, we're going to have a discipleship challenge uh, just before we um, going to baptize people. And the discipleship challenge is that we want to give you a free book worth 100 bucks if you are ready for that discipleship challenge. Okay? That you and maybe two or three people in this room is going to work through. So start thinking about it. So we're going to give you that, this book, Walking with Jesus. Uh, it's just been translated in, or been printed in Arabic. Uh, it's the 14th language, and they're training about 20 countries in it. So let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So they're training people in Iraq, Lebanon, Iran, uh, different, 20 different Arab nations. That's already got it, so it was printed this week. Um, so it's just great what God is doing. But um, the call to discipleship is, is so important. We, we can't just be churchgoers, consumers, comfort zone people. Sorry, you know. There's a lot of people that are members of a church, but there's not a lot of Christ followers. And we're going to talk a bit about that, but let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the freedom we have tonight to witness people saying yes to your call. To witness, Lord, the joy of discipleship, the joy of walking with you. And Lord, it's about you. It's about your glory, Lord. It's about your glory covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. And we want to say yes, Lord, to what you are doing. Lord, we're such a small part and we're humbled, Lord, by what you are doing in the earth. But Lord, like Isaiah said, here we are. Choose us. Use us. We want to be part of what you are doing. And we say, yes, Father, we want to put our hands to the plow and not look back. Because we want to please you and love you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls. And we just bless you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you, Jesus, that you're walking in this place. You're already here, Lord, long before we came. And you're inviting us into your presence. We're not inviting you into our presence. We want to thank you for that freedom we have still to declare your name, still to gather like this, Lord. What a privilege. And we just bless you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So our vision as the church is to reach nations and generations through discipleship, leadership development, and church planting. And so that's why small groups are such an integral part of what we're doing, or spending a, a almost half a day with the church that don't they have small groups and uh, it was just great to help them and say why do we do small groups why do we come together uh, they're almost 3,000 people in the church and now they have to transition 
because uh, they realize COVID has hit them. If you just do event Christianity and you don't really have a relationship, how can you multiply? How can you really grow, you know? And so part of what we're doing is small groups, and I want to encourage you to be part of one um, and to love people that are not always lovable. <laughs> it's not always going to be people that's the nicest and like you, but we need other people in our lives to shape us into the image of Christ. And so we looked a couple of weeks ago in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. I will be with you. You will know my presence. But it's in the context of going to make disciples of all the nations. The word nations is, is actually ethnos, which means ethnic groups. And so I was spending some time with a group of people that are do trans, doing translation into all the different 18,000 people groups that don't have the Bible in their language, and they're advancing the kingdom of God. Because you know what? When the gospel is preached in every language, that will be the end. And so the advancement of the kingdom is happening at a rate like crazy. If you look at nations like Iran, uh, the church is growing mostly through women following God, mostly through divine visitations and visions from the Lord Jesus himself. We went there so what was it, nine years ago, everybody we talked to of the underground church in Iran has had a personal visitation from Jesus. You know, there was one group that told us they, um, were, they were, were not Christians. They were MBBs. You'll know what that means a little bit later maybe. But so, and, um, and so they're sitting at the table and they just felt they had to to make a little place for somebody that was going to go and visit. The dad just said of the family, there's somebody who's going to come and visit us. And that night there was a knock on the door. They prepared food. A man came in, sat with them, started to talk to them. And, and then he asked questions about um, the Isa, you know, which is, uh, and the Injils, which is the Gospels in the Quran, and Jesus, the prophet, according to Muhammad. And after two or three hours of discussion, the man took bread, broke it, and said, everyone, what you're looking for, it's me. And then he disappeared. And the whole family came to salvation. We met that family. We sat at the table and ate with him. And they said, Jesus is real. Sure. So, so God is doing the most amazing things. Nations like Iraq, Afghanistan, nations like Brazil. There are some Christian nations like Uganda, you know. Some places where they have national days of prayer and fasting. You know, I was on a Skype call this week with people in Egypt, and um, they come together under the banner of soccer tournaments, and in 30,000 people, young people between the age of 10 and 14 fast for three days, come together in a stadium and pray for world revival. So, so if you think you're cutting edge, I say, sorry, join the club. I just say like that donkey in Shrek. How many of you have seen Shrek? Yeah, pick me, <laughs> pick me, <laughs> Lord, don't leave me out, you know, but we sometimes become so sentimental about the things of God, but God is not sentimental about his kingdom, he invites you, if you say no, hallelujah, you'll go to heaven, he will not condemn you, you'll not, but you'll never taste of this joy of knowing him, and laboring, co-laboring with Christ, and that's the invitation tonight is, is, are you willing to take that step? Because there is a cost involved. You can be a comfortable Christian, just go on from Sunday to Sunday, and you are going to go to heaven because He loves you. He loves you. He'll forgive you. But there's such a joy of 
seeing the kingdom come. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe. Not say teaching them lots of doctrines, talking about all your stories. No, teach them to observe what I've done in your life. That's discipleship. Hey, come, take my hand, let's go. Let's go and see the kingdom of God come together. <laughs> Teach them. Watch me. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey hear, monkey say. Let's do it together, you know. And that's the joy. It's you can't disciple people from a distance. And Jesus does not disciple you from a distance. He says, come. And so that's the call, you know. The invitation in Luke 18, we said, he walks into this group of disciples or this group of fishermen, clueless, probably no front teeth, couldn't speak the language properly from behind the place where nobody wanted to go. And he says, come, follow me. What does that mean? It means like he's moving. <laughs> Sorry, he's not standing still. He's not going to beg you. He's not going to try and twist your arm. He's not going to, he loves you. But Jesus is on a mission. And he's, he's the walking Jesus. He's going somewhere. And we're not talking about performance. We're not talking about striving because you can't earn your salvation and you can't earn his love. He's not going to love you more if you go and disciple the whole world, you know. He's not going to love you more. But the experience of knowing and doing something together. And so he says, come follow me. Follow me and what will, what will happen? I will make you. So what is first? The making or the following? No, no, no. What is first? The making or the following? Following. <laughs> okay. So, so, so that immediately releases you from anything like you need to be perfect. You need to have written 10 books or 70 stuff or gone to 10 nations and, and been in. The moment when you say yes to Jesus, you can follow him. And then he will make you. Who does the making? He does. <laughs> Whoa, that just relieves me of any pressure. <laughs> I say just, Jesus, make me. I can't do it. Lord, I'm miserable. I am like, worm, 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 worm. You need to sing worm songs every time if it depends on you, yeah? But he says, come, follow me. The joy of an invitation from God himself to follow him. Unfortunately, in the West, most Christians are consumers. They come to say, like, ah, I don't like that church, you know, because Sean doesn't sing so nice, you know. <laughs> but, oh, when Zerubbabel sings, then I'm in the heavenlies, you know. And I don't actually like that song, and I don't like that. We become critical Christians. And I've told you the story. I was in China the most amazing moments was when there was not one word that was sang. It was all just for four hours, people on their face, lying on the ground, seeing who Christ is. That's worship. You know, if you go and look, read the book of Revelation, the revelation of Christ, John was banned to Patmos. Now, he served at that stage, he probably served the Lord for around about 60 years, you know? So, so he's seen a lot of things. And then you get to Revelation chapter 1. And the Bible says, the revelation of who Christ really was opened up after 60 years of following him. And do you know what happened? The Bible says, he fell down as if dead. <laughs> Have you seen a dead man talk? Oh, I don't like that shoes, Jesus. If you did, 
you're dead. But isn't it crazy? After 60 years of following the Lord, he fell down forward on his face. And that's where the skateboarders got their kneecap stuff from and all this stuff because he was like, he fell a lot in the book of Revelation. He's like, boom, boom. You know, and then he casted his crowns and then boom again. And then he like, he just fell down as if dead. That is how big God is. Wow. We're supposed to be dead because part of discipleship of following him is he says, hey, Matthew 16, 24, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Your biggest enemy to discipleship is self. Take that finger. Take your finger. Go like this. You. Say it, say it. I know you want to say it. You. No, 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 not your neighbor. Some of you are looking. No, 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 no. It's not that one. It's not that one. It's not. It's you. Deny yourself. The biggest enemy of you following God is the self. The resistance. I want it my way. I want to do all these other things before I'm going to follow him. Before I'm going to. But like I said, God is not sentimental about his kingdom. He will love you, but he will move on without you and me. If we just play church, church. So Jesus said in Matthew 24, he says that the gospel of the kingdom, that's what's going to start to happen when you follow him. You're going to see not the gospel of Shofar, not the gospel of Pete Pompey's Church International. There's going to be no orange flags. There's one kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ will come. And that was his message. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Not the show of Jesus, the nice worship song is that. And he says, repent for the kingdom has come now. It's come near you. And repent means to have a change of direction, a change of thought, a change of action, a change of direction. It means 180 degrees. Turn to follow him. Because you and I are on the wrong track. We're in the wrong direction. He says, come follow me. Wow. But isn't it amazing how Jesus called his disciples? He actually called them twice. Many of them, he called them twice. For Peter, the second time he called them when he said to him, cast the net on the other side. And do you know what, Jesus, what Peter did when he came to the shore? Because he caught all these fish after not being able to catch anything. He fell down on his face in front of God and said, woe is me, I'm not worthy of you. And then Jesus says, when you're in that space, you can follow me. If you don't understand your own brokenness and miserable sin self, you'll never be able to follow him fully because you'll try to do it yourself. Peter actually says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. <laughs> the first time he said, hey, Simon, Peter, follow me. And then the second time was at the fish because that was his trade. That was what he was good at. If I was him, I would have said, Jesus, you know what? You're the carpenter. I'm the fisherman. Stick to carpentry. Don't tell me to cast the net on the other side. You know, let's just, let's just, you know, I'm a specialized fisherman. I know exactly. We haven't caught anything the whole night. And then Jesus says, will you trust me? Because he's going to teach you some things, even in the area where you're a doctor, even in the area where you're an attorney, even in the area where you're an engineer. We're going to say like, wow, I didn't know that it was so easy to cast the net on the other side, you know. 
I told you this story a couple of weeks ago. We went around the bush, and so I was praying over this guy, and I, and I felt to tell him, cast the net on the other side. So eventually the guy who prayed with us started laughing because he said to me, do you know who this guy is that you're praying for? I said, no, I don't know. He says, no, he's the CEO of a massive fishing company. <laughs> so I still want to phone him and say like, hey, did you cast the net on the other side? What did you do? I don't know. That's crazy. Come follow me. So discipleship means first you have to come to Christ. In that process, he's going to start to make you like Christ, and then he will send you from Christ, meaning you're commissioned to go. So discipleship has a couple of elements to it. It says first come to him, intimately know him, come to know him. Come as you are, come, and he's going to, you know, repent and turn and, and come to him. Then you're going to meet with him because it's about relationship. It's not about doing things for him. But then he's going to commission you to go. So you can't say you are a disciple unless you have become a disciple maker. You're only really a definition when you have gone to make another disciple. That's what qualifies somebody to be called a follower of Christ. He says, come, follow, and I'm going to make you a better Christian. No, no. Come and follow, and I'm going to make you a good preacher. No, no, come, follow me, and I'm going to make you a great engineer, and I'm going to bless you, press down, shaken together, running over. And I'm going to give you a Mercedes. Oh, BMW. No, you know. Renault, you know. Peugeot, you know. He doesn't say that. He says, come, and I will make you fishers of men. God works in you to work through you so that your children's children will be able to say, wow, Opa Pierre followed God fully. So, Opa Pierre, huh? my great-great-grandfather, I have a testimony like that. My great-grandfather, well, I've got his names, was an evangelist, and he went from farm to farm on weekends, and he preached the gospel. And if you didn't listen, he would take the shambok, and he would hit you with the shambok and say, repent, <laughs> you know. It's a, a bit of a different type of ministry, but many repented, many repented, you know. <laughs> and then my grandfather said no to the call of God on his life, and now three generations later, here comes me, guy stuttering that hasn't got anything to say already, but I picked up my hand and said, Lord, I don't want this to pass me another generation. Stops here. So I'm living in the wake of a great grandfather that followed God wholeheartedly. And you have the ability to create a space for your children's children to follow God wholeheartedly. But it's your choice. Because you know, God works in three generations at least. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When he does something in your life, he will always have another two generations in mind. So sometimes we think like, Lord, no, why is it so tough for me? Because you have to break that stronghold. You have to set up a new standard. You're going to create a wake for others, and maybe you're never even going to see it, you know? They tell a story of this guy, one guy who was an evangelist. He went to America, and, um, and the Lord told him that the world will change through that crusade. I can't remember all the details. I read it a couple of years ago. But basically, it went like this. And, and then he wrote in his journal, because they've spent a lot of money on a big evangelism crusade somewhere in southern parts of America. And um, 
the first night, nobody responded to the gospel. He says, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't know what went wrong, but nobody responded to the gospel. The second night, in his journal, there's one sentence. He says, Lord, I'm again disappointed because only one 14-year-old boy gave his life to you. And the third night, I think it was one or two people. So after all this effort, only three people. And then they tracked the name of that little boy, William D. Graham. The great Billy Graham. That boy that came to salvation led probably more than 50 million people to the Lord. And he was disappointed because he couldn't see. He just said, like, I'm disappointed because this one son, William D. Graham, came to know the Lord. What a crazy story. You don't know who you meet at the petrol station. You don't know who you lay hands on. And that's the joy of following God and co-laboring with Him. As we begin to see people in the way God sees them. That's why Jesus walks into Simon's life and says, You're no longer Simon. Simon bar Jonah's flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I call you Peter. He actually gives people another name. You're no longer Simon, the fleshly, just natural Simon. You're Peter, the rock, the revelation. And on this revelation, I will build my church. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm over here. The second thing is, once we learn to follow then we learn to hear his voice. That's so beautiful. John 10 says it, you know, and Jesus taught them. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He said, I've come to give life and life in abundance. The abundance is not about the things we possess. The abundance is the fact that we know his presence and you can hear God's voice. He speaks to you. <laughs> he, he ministers to you, tells you and says like, wow, you know, go there, do this. I want to I use you as a broken vessel in this kingdom, this massive kingdom. I can send all the angels, but I've chosen broken vessels because I love you so much, I want you to partake of my presence. You know, this morning in Johannesburg, we were praying and, and I just felt there's somebody that's struggling with suicidal thoughts and this one lady came to the front and just broke and got delivered, you know. She says, I want to kill myself, I want to kill myself. But now I know God is real because he showed me he cares for me. I have no reason to live. But Jesus knows. And we just ministered to her. Just came around her. Just prayed over her. And people were just coming to the front, just breaking before the Lord. But see, hardened hearts and pride is ugly. Because you can receive nothing from the Lord. If you're full of pride and say like, oh, what, you know, this guy's talking about discipleship, you know, so then, 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 yeah. I want to more get the book of revelations, you know, the seven beasts with the seven eyes. But Jesus said in John 10 verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. And that means to know him intimately, to love him wholeheartedly, to abide in him and to know the truth. A lot of people think they follow Jesus, but it's a Jesus of their own making or a Jesus of culture. Sorry, Jesus isn't black. Sorry, Jesus isn't white. Sorry, Jesus isn't Afrikaner. Sorry, Jesus isn't Zulu. He was Jewish. No, no, he's the son of God, okay? <laughs> but you know how many times we come to him with preconceived ideas as to who he is and what he should do? So many times in our prayer life, we say like, oh, Lord, do this, do that. 
and do it immediately. <laughs> Who's counseling who? <laughs> Who's telling who what to do? <laughs> but the joy of hearing God's voice, and there's some of you, we're going to pray for you. Because you've been asking, Lord, I really want to hear your voice. I really want to know that place of your presence. Now, obviously, he speaks through his word primarily. He will never contradict his word. He will never contradict his word. But then there's those moments when he speaks to you, you know, like this week when I was just, I woke up with this one word and I was just, I realized, well, wow, this is the word I must share, you know. So I went up to Potchefstroom to this group of people and I said to them, do you know what? I don't know. I've got this weird thing. I woke up with this idea and I may be completely wrong. But the Lord says, you group of people are like David Livingston. And I saw a picture of mapping out stuff. And then everybody in the room started to laugh. They said, that's the word God has been giving us for three years. That we're going to pioneer work into Africa. Just like David Livingston. Now, I, nobody told me. Nobody said anything. I just saw a picture. And I go like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> what a joy that he speaks to you, yeah? And we're just like, they're jumping up and this confirmation of a word they've been carrying for three, four years already. They said, look here, we actually wanted to put that word up onto the wall. We were talking about it this week. And we've all been studying the life of David Livingston that was this pioneer missionary into Africa. And here you come, the stranger from the Cape. We never thought God could use somebody from the Cape, but hallelujah. You know, because everything out on the other side of the tunnel is Gauteng. You know that? Okay. Even Wooster. Sorry, Wooster people. Okay. But the crazy part is, that, you know, it's like, it's so amazing. And I don't want you to believe the lie that God doesn't want to speak to you. There's some of you that's been hungering to hear God's voice. And he speaks to you because he said, my sheep hear my voice. If you're a Christian, he will speak to you, but just keep, get, get the other voices to be silent. Because the voice of our flesh, the voice of our past, the voice of our circumstances, they cry out loud, eh? They shout, they scream at you. The intimidation, the guilt, the shame. But Jesus never shouts. He always whispers. And he whispers in a voice right here. Sounds like your voice many times. You think like, did I just make that up? David Livingston, what a weird word, you know. And then some people just think like, no, 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 no. But you need to like a radio tuner need to tune in because he speaks all the time. He speaks to his people. He's not going to let you out in the dark and just leave you there. He's going to talk to you. I've heard amazing testimonies of people that are waking up in the middle of the night God says to them, jump out of the window, third story, in the northern parts of Nigeria. Jump out of the window. He's sleeping on the third story. And he runs and he jumps. As he jumps, two people with AK-47s come into the room and just clean out the AK-47s in the room. He falls to the ground, doesn't break a leg. That same guy runs, now he has to get, it was one of Reinhard Bunker's drivers, truck drivers. He says like, hey. So he goes to now, the secret police is waiting for him at the border. And the Lord says, go through, they will not recognize you. So they, they deported him the previous week. So he goes in with the stamps to go and fetch the truck. 
And the guy looks at the deported stamp in the passport and say, welcome, you can go through. <laughs> Three months later, one of those secret police people at a Reinhard Bonke crusade comes to Winfred and says to him, we were standing at that border to kill you because we knew you were going to come, come through, but we didn't recognize you. Two days later, we found out you actually went through and they stamped your passport. Now, some of you are looking at me very critically and negatively, but who's the God that you're serving? He's alive. And if he tells you to do something, he will make a way. Hello. <laughs> Hearing his voice. And that's not like you need to be super spiritual. He speaks to everyone. And he may speak to you in a different way than other people. Some people audibly, some people through vision, some people through dreams, some people through nature. There's so many ways that God speaks. Never believe the lie that you cannot hear His voice. And God is raising up a generation that are just like wholly devoted to Him and say, God, thank you that you speak. Don't say, oh, please, Lord, speak to me. That's not how you pray. You just say, thank you, Lord, that you speak to me. If you're a Christian, you can pray that because He says you speak to, He speaks to you. Say, so thank you, Lord, that you already speak to me. Help me just to hear more clearly. And that's how he does it. He wants to show you his heart. He wants to tell you. For some of you, it may just be tonight, hey, I love you. Do you know how profound that is? Hey, you don't need to perform. Just come to me. My sheep hear my voice. Woo, now we need to pick up some speed. So part of that coming to him is to know him. And then, then he says, to do his will. Do you know how fulfilling that is? Jesus in John chapter 4 spoke about this. He says, when the disciples came back, the woman at the well, he says, my food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Jesus saw doing the will of the father like eating food, like nourishment, like I'm fulfilled. Wow. It was actually a funny story. We went there to... Johannesburg, and so we ate on the way to from Porch to Johannesburg, and this one guy ordered schnitzel, you know, and so I just said to him, I don't think you should eat schnitzel, but he decided he's going to eat schnitzel. Now we got to the people on the other side in Johannesburg, and there's a whole bowl full of schnitzel. I said, I told you so. Because <laughs> sometimes it's even just practical stuff God tells you, you know, so you had to eat more schnitzel, just because of courtesy, I mean, so... I enjoyed my rap. The father wrapped his love around me. But so my food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Say, so my food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Wow. You can, well, thank you for that wow. Some people said like, wow. <laughs> Thanks, Andre. That was a response. I heard Simeon and Andre just say, wow. Okay. But the problem is there are very few laborers. In that same scripture, Jesus says, pray earnestly. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will raise up laborers. Why? Because there are many church members, there are many consumers, but there are not many laborers in the kingdom. There are very few. There are many Christ followers in the West. Many, peop many people say, yes, yes, Lord, Lord, but it doesn't mean Jesus is Lord. Lord means he's master. You live to do his will. You live to glorify his name. 
And today is not a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's for everyone. He told it to everyone. And he especially came to the broken, the outcast, the people that thought they're not worthy of that call. He came to a bunch of fishermen. Two of them were zealots. They just wanted to bring the lightning down. The other one was a bad-mouthed guy that just spoke too much. Peter, you know. The others, they, they, they were this bunch of weird people. They all ran away. They all denied him, not just Peter. They, one betrayed him. It is a crazy story. The crazy call of discipleship to go and make disciples of the nations. I would have not gone to f choose those fishermen. I would have gone to the University of Jerusalem and picked the three top actuary students. And at least one agricultural person. And I would maybe, maybe one engineer. I don't know about the engineers, but <laughs> any engineers in the house? Oops, I'm sorry, sorry. That's just a joke. I'm just making sure you're awake. But we think we need to be clever and all that stuff. And all God wants is your heart. But you need to say yes. You need to say yes to follow him. And there's such a joy. You see, our love, Jesus said it in John 14, verse 15, our love language to God is obedience. We're not talking about doing a lot of things for God because sometimes we do too much for Him. We're walking away from event Christianity, but we're saying yes to discipleship. We're saying yes to Doing what Jesus called us to do, to make us disciples. And that's not just for the small group leaders. That's not just for the people going on missions. That's not just for the pastor. There's lots of pastors that I know that don't make disciples. They love preaching. They go on preaching circuits. They do all the great media stuff and all that stuff. And they have five bodyguards in front of the stage. I don't know what they're afraid of, but... Very little discipleship happening in the church in the West. Why? Because our whole culture is consumeristic. Is I want to be entertained. And so where do you start? You start by being a hungry Christian. You start to say, Lord, I never want to lose my hunger. I never want to lose my thirst. When I'm like John, even if they throw me away at Patmos 60 years later, I will still fall on my face as if dead because I realize I can't get bored with God I can't get bored with the revelation of who he is he's much bigger than who I am or what my little world entails but he invites me to his world it's called the kingdom a kingdom that cannot be shaken a kingdom that from age to age has not changed do you know that Isaiah the biggest prophet in the Old Testament prophesied 700 years before Jesus lived exactly what would happen on the cross. 700 years. I struggle to count to 700. I get tired at 295. More than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament spoke about Jesus coming on the cross. 300 prophecies. Do you know what is the chance? One out of a trillion, 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 trillion chance that all of those prophecies would come to fulfillment. 
So you're not just here by chance. You're not, you and I are not just living here by chance. There's no chance with God. I have a friend that says, has it occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? The Free State people lost me there. They don't know what occur is. They think it's something you throw on bultong, okay? But ask your friends what occur. Okay? Has it occurred to you? Nothing catches God by surprise. Not even your sin. He knows everything. But isn't it amazing that he brings himself and he humbles himself? He strips himself of no reputation. He goes to that cross and says, Father, forgive her because she doesn't know what she's doing. Father, through my death, I want to give her an opportunity to partake of your divine nature. And then Jesus builds a bridge between mankind and the Father. To not have a wrathful, angry God, but a Father that accepts you and says, I want you to be my child. Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then the heir of God through Jesus Christ. You're an heir. Free state people, erfgenaam. Okay? Nothing to do with your hair. I thought, like, why would I be heirs in God? Okay, but no. You're an heir of God in Jesus Christ. Do you know what it means to be called the son of the universe? Huh? Everyone? You're a son of God. You're not, not like an orphan. You're not just happening to be around here. Vicky, do you know what it means to be a son of God? But not just a son, also an heir of God through Jesus. A daughter of God. That is the most profound thing ever. Jesus does, doesn't just come to save you. He says, I want you to inherit with me. I want you to partake of what I partake of. What an invitation, and it's the invitation to co-labor with him. It's the invitation of discipleship. So what, what's the next step? You need to respond. Because <laughs> there's always a choice. If you don't respond, your choice is most probably no. If you respond, you say yes, but not on your terms, not on my terms. Not for orange flags. Because when you get to heaven... You're not going to hide under, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm a chauffeur person, you know. <laughs> this is my entry into heaven, Jesus. Oh, there's a storm and now you hide under chauffeur. <laughs> now he sees me, now he doesn't. And you think like, Oh, the banner over me is shofar. No, the banner over you is love. Now I can't get out of this thing. <laughs> sure, almost ruined my tie. But in any case, so. just getting the religious spirit to go a bit. Okay, so, thank you, Sean. Do you, do you want to? The right side needs to be up a bit more. It's a bit skew. Just put it up. Just for the perfectionist in the house, you know. There you go, there you go. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Let's give him a round of applause, okay? <clears throat> <clears throat> so
so most of us probably don't think we're worthy to be called to this journey to follow God, to go and make disciples. But you need to start somewhere. You need to say, God, at least make me hungry because I want to do your will. And his will is quite clear. Many people think like, oh, you know, the angel must appear and give me a 30-set list of what I'm going to do in the next 40 years. No, he tells us in his will what we need to do. He says, go and make disciples. <laughs> it's, just, it's as easy as that. <laughs> it's the revealed will of God. He tells us. He says, go and make disciples. But now we want to pray about it. Or he says, go and get baptized. And then we want to pray about whether we should get baptized or not. And I think like, sorry people, but... Jesus is not going to beg you to get baptized. He says, repent and be baptized. He doesn't say baptize yourself and as a child and then repent later. He says, repent and be baptized. That's what Scripture says, and it's so easy. But see, we want to be in control. So he says, come, repent and be baptized. Come, follow me, and I will make you. There's certain order of Christ in our lives, and it's beautiful when you start to follow him. Beautiful when we say yes. The other day I met the guy, he was here in Dachbrek, and he was clueless. I, I really wanted to smack this guy many times. It's not so with most Dachbrekers, but just some. But this guy specific. I'm joking, all the Dachbrekers are sitting in front. And they're much bigger than me. And uh, the previous prim as well. But so, I walk into this place, and this guy walks up to me, and I just think like, yeah. He says, hello, Sias, how are you doing? I'm the youth pastor at this church. I said, look, <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't believe. <laughs> I wanted to smack you all the time, you know, and I think like, what? And I was just again humbled by somebody that missed so much time and then one day just said, Jesus, Yes. And now those youth kids are running, and they're just doing stuff, and he's just like serving God at a capacity that you think like, wow, all those wasted years, it's like God is restoring, giving him more back, you know, and I think like, wow, that's the thing of God. God restores. He makes it better than the original. That's how he works, and he wants to restore through your life. He wants to first restore in your life. If you didn't have a mother or a father or come out of a broken home, then we always think like, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a victim. You're not a victim. The devil is the victim. But you have to make a choice. Say, yes, choose life. Choose him. Choose the ways of God. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.